This episode of History Replays today, the Richmond History Podcast, is brought to you by River City Segs, the premier Segway tour company in Richmond. It's the only Segway tour company in Virginia with an indoor Segway-specific training area. Find out more information at rivercitysegs.com. You can come on down to 1805 East Gray Street. Check out our Segway training area. It's located inside our 1884 firehouse. You can also find out more of information about River City Segs. Uh, again, at rivercitysags.com, where you can go ahead and book your tour there. Or you can check us out on Facebook or Twitter at 804SEGS. That's S-E-G-S, 804-S-E-G-S. We're also on Instagram. You'll find out about all kinds of awesome discounts and, and, and fun things that we're doing there, including the Easter SEG hunt, which we just completed. Thanks to everybody that participated in that. Uh, and as well, we are currently doing um, buy one, get one free gift certificates for Mother's Day trying to honor you, anyone that has a mother, by making it easy for you to know what to get your mother for Mother's Day. Buy one, get one free gift certificates. They'll be good for one year from the day you buy them. It's going to be awesome. Get your mom out on a Segway. She'll love it. And always practice safe segs. History Replays today, the Richmond History Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Jeff Major. Hope you're having a fantastic day. My guest is Dale Weary. She's the curator and director of Maymont Mansion. If you listened to the last episode and you're hearing it, you said, hey, Dale Weary was the guest on the last episode. This is a repeat. Well, you're wrong. It's not a repeat. This is actually part two of the conversation I had with Dale. Uh, we talked for so long. It was so many interesting things. We, I cut it into two episodes. If you haven't heard the last episode, go back and check it out um, when you get time. You can you don't need to listen to one before the other. It's not really that big of a deal. Um, in fact, go back and listen to all the episodes. Start at episode one, Harry Colatz. Um, go do that. They're all free. They're all on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, wherever you listen to this, or at historyreplaystoday.org. You can also listen there. Um, the, the the last episode, we talked more about the, the Dooleys, who James and Sally Dooley were. Um, you know, they, they're the ones that actually gave their estate, Maymont, to the city. Uh, this episode is going to talk a little bit more about the park. Um, again, the the people and their estate, they're, compl- they're way too intertwined for it to be a hard cut. So we talk about both in both episodes, but that's loosely what the what the division is. Um, but in this episode, we get into a lot more about the the domestic help that they had at the mansion. Um, you know how they, you know what was their legacy. You know, aka where they leave their money and where they put that. Um, not just Maymont. I mean, they their the reach goes out much farther than that. Um, Saint Joseph's Villa. I mean, all kinds of very interesting stuff. It transformed, you know, the city a good bit. Um, we also get into cars. Um, as you can imagine, being one of the richer people in the city, probably one of the richer people in the in the state, and maybe even the country, uh, James Dooley was one of the first people in this in Richmond to have a, a car. I mean, that's that's got to be pretty awesome. That's a pretty cool toy, um, you know. And as well, you know, the history of the park, right? Because when the Dooleys left it to the city, uh, they didn't leave any endowment. 
right? So how did the city actually handle that? Um, how did they take care of such a, an enormous estate, um, you know, enormous, amazingly beautiful house? Uh, if you haven't ever been, you should go in there. Um, it's really amazing. Take one of the tours that they have going on. Heck, I mean, just go take a walk around the around Maymont. Um, if you do go, you know, they do ask, you know, if you if you have five bucks in your pocket, they do ask for a five dollar donation to help maintain it. That's how they're maintaining it nowadays. Um, but you know, I mean, how you know the Dooleys didn't live there with you know, farm animals and bears. So, you know, where where did all that stuff come from? And and we get into all that. This is the part of the show where I'll normally ask you to, you know, write a review on iTunes or Stitcher about History Replaced Today, um, or let me know what you think about the podcast on Facebook or Twitter, which you can do at History Replays. But this time, I'm actually going to go a little bit differently. Um, I'm asking that we will, uh, you will vote for History Replays Today, the Richmond History Podcast, in Richmond Magazine's Best and Worst Poll. They actually have a category on there for best local podcast. Really love to to make this the the best local podcast. I'm hoping that you guys will will go vote. You can just go to the richmondmagazine.com. They have the the poll right there on the first page. Click on it, go through. It's a few pages in, but you know, vote for some other stuff. Vote for River City Sex for something. Um, you know, put Frame Nation down for a few things. That would be pretty awesome as well. But really, I'm asking. Trying to get uh, history replaced today. The voted the the best local podcast. See what you guys can do for me. Um, as well, I do want to go ahead and thank uh, Derek and Daniel, who actually both gave twenty dollars to uh, to Richmond History Podcast. Um, and if you can do the same thing by going to the um, historyreplacetoday.org. There's a support button. You can go there and donate any amount of money that you have, just that you like—a dollar, five dollars, twenty dollars, whatever you'd like to give. Um, you know, every little bit counts. Hundred dollars would be tremendous, but you know, twenty dollars is, is just as amazing. Just to try and keep this thing free, keep me doing this. You can also support the podcast by, um, you know, if you have a business you'd like to support, sponsor the podcast. That'd be awesome. You can let me know. Contact me on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can also contact me at Jeff Major, J-E-F-F-M-A-J-E-R, at historyreplaystoday.org. You can really support the podcast by voting, voting for this to be the, the best local podcast. Oh, yeah, did I mention that the, the, did I mention that the, the voting ends May 7th? So you got to get to it. You got to make it happen. But let's go ahead and get to part two of my conversation with Dale Weary uh, when we pick up the conversation, uh, I was asking her about the, the parties. The, the, apparently Sally planned these parties. They, they were a legendary uh, amongst the, the social elite. Um, I can only imagine. I mean, if you give me millions of dollars and Maymont, I mean, holy smokes, the, the extravaganzas that you could get into out there, probably pretty amazing. Uh, so, again, let's get to Dale Weary. <laughs> And so the, but at Maymont, I know there's a, there's a lot of talk of um, the of Sally's um, um, hosting like parties and stuff. Oh yes. Indications? Like what goes on at a party? Oh my gracious! I, mean, I can only dream if I had millions of dollars and Maymont <laughs> the kind of parties that I would throw. So <laughs> what are they doing at their uh, parties? They were just... blasts. They were, you know, it was really the place to be. Um, uh, in February, usually they had their parties in February. Huh. I think it was part of the social season. Okay. So um, 
things were happening. I think, too, it might have been, you know, uh, they didn't do so much after Lent. Uh, right. Um, so, enough. yeah. And um, there was one party in 1898, 400 guests. There were articles in the newspaper before the party, and then day of the party, and then after the party. And uh, it was catered by a caterer that came down from New York. They seemed to favor this uh, caterer, uh, Pompeo Marisi. Mm -hmm. And he came down with, I'm sure, a large staff and did the floral displays and arranged the dining room table and created this lavish uh, spread for their 400 guests. And uh, you can imagine those people packing in here. Sure. Uh, cold cold winter evening, no outdoor tents or anything like yeah. that. Um, Mrs. Dooley in the pink drawing room, attired in her Worth gown, of course, from Paris. And uh, jewels, of course, very, very uh, you know, sumptuous display there, and carrying huge uh, bouquet. Right. And then all of the... Uh, the um, uh, ladies in the receiving line. I think the thing to do was to have the young uh, ladies in society uh, in your receiving line right. so you could uh, introduce them to society. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was an orchestra playing. The second floor landing was, the, or living hall was the location where they had the orchestra playing, the orchestra from the Jefferson Hotel. Oh, nice. Uh, no less. And um, it was a brilliant reception, <laughs> an enchanted evening, I'm sure. And they're bringing other people in, but they have a full-time staff here, right? Right. I imagine there was a little tension below stairs. I was going to say. Like, yeah, because, you know, they had seven to ten people on the domestic staff here. And you can imagine what's going through their heads when they're thinking, who are these people right. coming down from New York and think they can... Uh, do better than we can here, but right. anyway, and, and, and it's very. Uh, you came up the back stairs, so you can imagine mm -hmm. the caterers oh, yeah. trying to get trays and everything up and down those back stairs. Oh, yeah, I got a five-pound bag, and it was yeah. a little brutal. It's like, yeah. Uh -huh. um, so, do we know anything about those people that work here? I mean, those. Oh, we know a lot about the people who worked here, and um, we know that uh, the staff was largely African American. We mm -hmm. checked census records. We had lots and lots of oral histories with descendants of the people who worked here. Uh, they um, had on the staff a butler, an assistant butler, a parlor maid, head cook, cook's assistant. Um, they usually had a, a you know a laundress who would come in, and so it was you know it totaled about seven, no more than ten in the house okay. at any given time. As I say, African American. Um, the um, last cook um, before Mrs. Dooley died for about five years was Frances Twiggs Walker. Uh, we know a lot about her because we've met a lot of her descendants. Okay. And they helped us out a great deal with uh, piecing together the story mm -hmm. of um, life as a domestic worker. You know, when you worked at Maymont um, in domestic service, you're really 
pretty much at the top of the pay scale in Richmond. Okay. And the Dooleys were not into um, employing unexperienced workers. Right. In order to put on the grand show, you needed to have people who were at the top of their profession sure. as a butler uh, greeting you at the door, uh, a man of of distinguished character and bearing who would who would reflect the status of the the household. So it's very important part of of not only getting all the work done and there was a lot of work, um, but also making the presentation yeah. of a of a uh, of a type that was suitable for for this this and family. Is this I mean, and it's very Downton Abbey-esque, yeah. right? I mean, that's like the same kind of, I mean, does this, like, I guess doing the research, does this seem like they that kind of relationships, or, I mean... Well, you know, um, do they two... like these people? I mean, is it too <laughs> nice to them? I don't, I don't even know, right? I mean... Well, um, the, there, there does not seem to be any story that we've heard that indicates that they were... Uh, in any way uh, abusive or cruel or anything like that. Uh, the, the estate manager, of course, he was white, um, he, he said that, that everyone who worked for Major Dooley revered him. Um, so um, the relationship was probably tense. Mm -hmm. You know, you're working in someone's private home. Uh, you're not working for a, a business. Um, you are in someone's private home. This is, you know, it's there's a natural tension, mm -hmm. um, and you're also uh, African American. Um, the Dooleys, of course, grew up uh, having slaves in their homes, and the ancestors of the people who worked here. And some of the people who worked here actually were born in slavery. Absolutely. So the transition period between uh, master-slave relationship and employer-employee relationship was a difficult one. And I think especially when it was in a private home. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have any uh, long-time retainers you know the the idea of someone who's been in the uh, working for the same family for twenty years, or Mr. Uh, Tolliver, the estate manager, different matter. Mm -hmm. He had his own home down the road, and he didn't have to work right here in the middle of the house with them. But um, there was always the the impulse to improve yourself and your condition and where you worked and to move on. And that was one freedom that they had. They could they could vote with their feet and if right. they didn't like their employer they could move on. And there were plenty of jobs uh, up north and mm -hmm. that was part of the pull that this great migration that right. started during the Maimont era of going up north uh, to get better wages and find better better opportunities. Mm -hmm. And some of um, Mrs. Walker's children actually went north to Philadelphia and some of them ended up working in um, large households up there. Um, I'm rambling a bit, but... Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Um, but you asked about Downton Abbey. There's really a um, that's the English system, right? And um, in the English system, um, my understanding is that there's really a, a a long tradition in some families that have worked in service for years and years. And in the South, in the 1890s, there weren't many choices for job opportunities for African Americans. Limited education, limited job opportunities, and um, my statistics are probably off here, but I think the one is that 90% of African American women worked at some point in time in their lives as domestic workers. Right. Um, but again, working in a household of this type, much better, I would think, than being a maid of all work, a lone employee working for a middle class family uh, down in the fan. Sure. You had to do everything. Right. You know, you had no time of your own. Sure. Um, in this household and in other Richmond households of this era, it was generally you would have um, Thursday afternoon and every other Sunday afternoon. Hmm. Okay. You worked every day, yeah. essentially. Um, Did so they live here? Some lived on the lot, that was the expression, Okay. and usually the junior members of the staff. Uh, the assistant butler, we know, lived in the house, uh, had a nice room actually. When we say basement, we're talking uh, full uh, height ceiling, nine foot ceilings, full height windows. It's, um, it's, it's a nice space, you've been, mm-hmm. been down there. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there was a big, huge furnace in the middle of the, right. <laughs> the central room uh, back in their day. But um, anyway, it was it was pretty good um, working conditions here. Um, so um, Justin Sims, the assistant butler, lived here, uh, and some of the younger women uh, shared a room, uh, the maid's room, down in the basement. It was also a work space by day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the room in which they did the uh, the ironing, and boy, was that a huge hot task! So the room has all the you know big windows, uh, lots of fresh air coming in. In there, it would have been a uh, you know a pain in the neck doing all that ironing. Right. Very hot. Had to have stove going to heat all the flat irons. So sure, huh? Um, and then, so, I mean, they, Dooley, Major Dooley dies first, right? 22. And, 22. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Sally, she's going to live. 25. Will right. she live here on by herself? Yes. Um, and she spent increasing amounts of time at Swananoa okay. as she got older after he died. Because her nieces were right over in the next town in Stanton. Okay. So it's just about, I don't know, what is it? 15, 20 miles away. Mm-hmm. So she had family close by. Right. And so they're going to basically, I mean, 
And she always had to have somebody to play bridge with. Right. You know, okay. they say, yeah. bridge, bridge, bridge. She uh, loved bridge. Uh, so, so in nieces. Yeah. <laughs> that was um, and the, uh, it's still social and still like in good health throughout her life, I mean, in the last days? I, mean, I, I think her health was declining. Because she's yeah. like in her 80s, right? right? In her I mean, 80s, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were getting up there for the that Spring day. chickens, anyways. Yeah. yeah. And then it had that huge marble villa up there. Sure. That you know, you should see it. It has mm-hmm. a magnificent uh, Tiffany window with um, the image of Mrs. Dooley dressed as a Roman matron in the middle of her Italian garden. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. It's yeah. a very important Tiffany window in Virginia. Um, and so they're going to leave the park first of all, right? The park is. I mean, but there's. From what I understand, there's no um, money to keep up the park. Well, they, 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 of course, had money, and they left very generous bequests all around Richmond. Mm-hmm. Major Dooley, you know, left $3 million to St. Joseph's Orphanage. Right. And in uh, Which, one <laughs> article we had from 1933, the Catholic Virginian, it said that that was the largest bequest to a Roman Catholic charity in the history of the country. Oh, wow. And then Mrs. Dooley, half a million uh, for the Richmond Public Library, half a million for what was then called the Crippled Children's Hospital, now mm-hmm. the Children's Hospital. And um, let's see, I think it was 250000 for the uh, Virginia Diocese of the Episcopal Church. Mm-hmm. She left all of her jewelry to um, be sold for missions of the Episcopal Church, and that came to about $85,000. Right. So their wealth was spread all around to Richmond Charities, um, comfortable sums to nieces and nephews, uh, and Major Dooley's sisters and so forth, but did not leave any money to the city of Richmond. Mm-hmm. Now you wonder, of course, they loved this place mm-hmm. and uh, wanted to leave it as a museum and park. Uh, but I, I think that Major Dooley probably thought that leaving uh, a great deal of money to a mun- municipal government might not be a wise investment. Sure. <laughs> With the... Um as well, because I mean, I'm also I'm kind of interested. Is she's leaving all this money to the, the Episcopal Diocese? He's leaving it to the cat. Did they actually were they church goers? I mean, did they well, actually, did they go I, to the same the, church? The oral tradition is that uh, he um, pretty much uh, was a backslider; that he'd fallen away. Okay. Um, there are other stories that say that um, they would uh, drive to town on Sunday. This is just a story. I have no uh, basis for this. And that she would go to St. Paul's Church, and then he would go across the street to St. Peter's, which was his family's church. He was was christened there, so Mm -hmm. baptized there when he was a little boy. So um, uh, Mrs. Dooley um, was a member of St. Paul's, and, and how much Major Dooley went to 
mass. I just, I don't know. But they did have a, a mass for him. Sure, fair <laughs> uh, enough. When he died, so. And the, uh, he gave all that money to St. Saint, Saint, Saint Joseph's Orphanage, right? Right. Uh-huh. Um, which they were supposed to build. Right just, over across the street from Maymont. Yeah. Uh, he owned that property over there and left that to them. Uh, I think it was a little bit more than that um, little strip, Dooley Memorial Park, that's still right. there with Which the I hope so, monument. Yeah, I think it was I a never little bit really, more. I, until reading that the, um, the other day, I had never really realized what that little strip was. I think um, there was a little bit more land to it, but then they sold it off. But um, the um, little the Sisters of Charity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sisters of Charity, uh, they felt they needed more more land for this right. facility, and they took the will to court, and had the location changed to Route One, mm-hmm. where they built their facility. Right, which is like right across the street yeah. from the Walmart at like Brook and Parham. Right, and nowadays. they um, in Dooley's will he asks that a monument be erected uh, to charity in honor of his parents. Right. So um, that was the monument that they erected here, uh, right across the street from Naaman, and uh, one almost exactly like it at um, at St. Joseph. Okay. Um, and it's it really quite an interesting uh, monument if you go up there. It's a sundial. It's based on um, a, a monument at Corpus Christi uh, College in, in Oxford. Okay. And it was designed by a New York firm, and the astronomers from University of Virginia came down in the 1930s to set the, I think they're called nomen, mm-hmm. so that, you know, everything is cur- configured just right for the the particular point of right. latitude, longitude, wherever we And it's are. like the most complicated sundial I've ever seen uh-huh. because it's also got like the dates and as the date you're supposed to look at the thing and then subtract minutes per so you get the exact Very date. good, Jeff. It's like, it makes no sense. I'm going like, to station you over there yeah. in the park so you can do our interpretation. <laughs> it's the most complicated monument or the most... It asks the most from a viewer that I've ever... Oh. I mean, it's like... It's a sundial, and it, then it's like, wait, if I'm looking for the exact minute, I'm not going to use a sundial. But it's just me. And then also, I think there's they give you a compu- computation of how to calculate when Easter will fall each year. Oh, does that, it? That's yeah. awesome. Uh-huh. It, and the the um, American Sundial Association or something like that, they've come to visit it, and someone wrote an article on it. That's so excellent. It's special. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's also it was interesting. Like I was standing there because um, I just looked at it again just now, um, and it was. Uh, it seemed it, it occurred to me that it's very strange that it's an obelisk, with I, whatever term you call. I think you were talking about the little sticky things, right? That, that actually have the no, shadow. No, I think it's G N O M E N, something like that. All right, we'll go with sticky things. <laughs> I, um, Not to be confused with gnomes, but right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's weird that they have those on there, and the actual thing is an obelisk, right? Mm-hmm. That they. I was standing there. I was like, why didn't they make it like Stonehenge? You know, where it's actually hey, the the thing hey. actually is the. I don't know. You need to build one, right? I don't, <laughs> <laughs> done with podcasts and start making uh, sundials um, but the uh, um, 
Anyway, yeah, so this is very strange. There's so many neat, neat things about Maymont and yeah. the Dooleys, and I think that's one thing Maymont does for us. You know, we can think about, talk about all of the particulars about Dooley and how the money was made and did he invest in this or that, and the particular things about Maymont. Um, but I, in general, I think it just... The whole place and the Dooleys themselves yeah. and the people who work here, they open up a window for us to a period in time that really is not as fully represented anywhere else in Virginia. Absolutely. And um, the to me, the most significant thing about Maymont is that um, it is this intact document uh, from the time it it shows us something about the people who lived here and who created it and at the same time it has this imprint this it's a document an artifact of the time in which it was created sure. so we can learn about the early years of electricity and gaslight and right. uh, african americans who were born in slavery becoming employees of uh, former Confederate officers, right, and, right. you know, uh, the lost cause. And then also, this we haven't talked about this yet, but this whole um, reverence for the past that Maymont represents, this era in time, to me, and anybody who loves history, mm -hmm. should really get into the late 19th century because these people were passionate about the past. Right. They love the past, and they love all periods of the past and they were reviving these different historical styles we must have an Italian Renaissance garden sure. and our drawing room must be Louis sixteenth mm -hmm. and um, and then not only the love of Western civilization in all periods of the of the past but also the different cultures of the world there was uh, so much more exposure uh, to the globe uh, and distant lands because travel was improving. Right. You know, the steamship lines could now, you know, take you across the Atlantic Ocean or around the world. Sure. And uh, the railroad travel we've talked about, crisscrossing the country, the Dooleys traveling to the West Coast. Right. And uh, the. the the, Do they, uh, actually, they actually get to the West Coast? Oh, yeah. Like California? Yeah, so. in fact, we know that they went, they got to California and then went by stagecoach to Yosemite. So they were wow. among some of the first visitors there. To that's amazing. And, do you, what, and that's still in the 19th century? or that's Eight, That was 1880s. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, good for Sally. And, and holy smokes. You can see smokes. her, you know, right. Yeah, I mean, the... And, and that's another thing I actually had never noticed all the carriages oh, yeah. that you guys have. That, that, yeah. um, and you know, by this point in time, uh, the carriage and the transition from the horse-drawn carriage to the automobile, Dooley was one of yeah. the first in say. town to, you know, he had to have his new new automobile and they had... And, and did um, he collect cars? I mean, did he, did he seem like he just, or he well, just got out of car? They had to have, you know... Um, a limousine, probably a couple of limousines, one for him and one for her when mm -hmm. they were, they had their different activities during sure. the day. They had a Packard uh, limousine 
they had a Pierce Arrow um, limousine, and that was 1916 when they bought that. And um, anyway, yeah, they were awesome. all fixed up. And then at the same time, he was very proud uh, to own uh, the finest carriage horses because okay. this was your equipage. This was another way in which you revealed your, your status. Right, you sure. know, Having a, a fine horses, prize-winning horses. Uh, he evidently was into some breeding, sending uh, uh, mares off to, you know, stud farms and things mm. to to improve his stock. I don't know anything about all of that, but uh, horse flesh was evidently important to him. Sure. Um, and um, we have some, we're, we've been able to find so much. You know, when I first came here, we had a half a file drawer full of information about Maymont and the Dooleys. Wow. And with the help of interns and the staff here and um, we've had, you know, the staff has grown uh, a little bit since since, sure. since I first came here uh, as curator. Uh, but we've uh, had interns and volunteers who've helped us expand our knowledge of the Dooleys. We had a great guest curator, Beth O'Leary, who's somebody else you should mm -hmm. interview. Um, I, she's a great scholar. She was our guest curator uh for interpretation of the domestic service and creation oh, of the Below Steers exhibit. Um, so we've really learned a lot about them and about how Maymont fits into the context of the time and tells us about oh a host of host of things. That yeah. It's just endlessly fascinating for me and I've been here now uh, 35 years, but it hardly seems like a lifetime right. because it has just been one wonderful experience for me. Of course, you know, there are days when you have to do the budget, but, sure, sure. but <laughs> uh, there, there's so much that Maymont has to reveal, and it's been a, a constant source of, of pleasure for me all of this time That's as we've learned more and more and more. Right. And I, I, you know, there's still more to learn. And, and what, um... We still have mysteries. So we need young historians to yeah. come and, and work with us and, and uh, discover more things that and, may not can do tell us. Just in your amount of, I mean, 35 years, but that's, you know, when the park is given to the city, I mean, I have to imagine that they just said, holy, how are we going to do this? <laughs> right? Who pays for this house? Like, how does this... Well... I mean, you don't have taxes, but does it just start crumbling? Well, um, the city um, had a real challenge. They had uh, a great um, secret weapon in Mr. Tolliver, who had worked here for the Dooleys since 1899, so he knew how everything ran. He, he had a thorough knowledge of the place mm -hmm. and the standards that... Major and Mrs. Stooley had for maintaining the place, and I think he really tried. But um, with the Depression coming on, mm -hmm. uh, very soon after Maymont was left to the city of Richmond, um, the funds were just not there. Yeah. 
and then there were some um, Works Progress Administration projects on site uh, with um, some painting that was done by the um, CCC um, men, some masonry work done, um, and then uh, World War One, excuse me, World War Two came along, and you can see in this diary or day book that was left by one of the early city hostesses, and they maintained it from day one when it opened, March 1926, up through um, about 41. Mm -hmm. But you can see through the newspaper articles and this day book that really things are falling off. Right. Um, the furnace stops working. They can't afford to replace the furnace. So that was... Um, sometime in the 30s, like 1936. So they decide to close the house in the wintertime. So the house goes without heat from about 1936 until about 1965, 66. Okay. About 30 years when there's no heat anywhere. Right. Um, we read about um, in newspaper articles and in the uh, records of windows being left open. They forgot to close a window, huge rainstorm, you know, damages the desk and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, by 1970, uh, there's a newspaper article uh, with the title Cities Albatross, and it paints a nightmare situation. Right. Uh, that ceilings on the second floor have fallen, mm -hmm. plaster, as it says, the plaster crashed down in one of the second floor rooms. Um, there was very little security um, with people roaming through the house, uh, the hostesses trying to keep children from running under. They had bars across the rooms. Um, the um, ceiling painting on canvas in the swan room, water damaged leaks all over. Um, finally, in the 60s, they replaced the roof. It, was, it had been a red slate roof originally, and the city replaced it with Buckingham slate, mm -hmm. gray roof. So it kind of changed the aesthetics of mm -hmm. the color palette of the exterior. But um, the house was in very sad condition. The The Silk wall coverings in the two drawing rooms had uh, dry rotted, hanging in shreds from the walls. Upholstery is described falling out on the floor. I mean, people were sitting and touching and blah. Right. It was it was a mess. So the city, um, because of the the this newspaper article and the attention that was being drawn to the sad situation here, as well as the grounds. Um, in the 70s, I guess late 60s, Camille and Agnes had come through right. and had devastated the Japanese garden. Um, so the city responded with a small allocation, and they shut the house down in 1970. And then for four years, they worked on a lot of the infrastructure. They replaced all of the lead pipe. They rewired the house. Um, they replaced the silk wall coverings in the two drawing rooms. Mm -hmm. They refinished all of the woodwork, 
they refinished all the Venetian blinds, the original Venetian blinds. They did a lot of work. Uh, and then in 1975, um, the city had been negotiating with this nonprofit that had started the animal exhibits at Maymont in the 1950s, okay. the Tallheimer Wildlife Foundation. Right. So they negotiated, and that was the origin of Maymont Foundation. And is that the is that like the cows, or is because it seems like the the farm scene, and then they're like most of the birds are like rescue, right? Am I, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I but yeah. the cows aren't rescued. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, um, the animal exhibits that may the slaughter, right? Like <laughs> right. becoming hamburgers. Right. <laughs> but. Pet cows. Um, anyway, um, so it was in the 19, late 40s when uh, there was interest. Um, the Tallheimer family, William B. Tallheimer, um, they thought that Richmond needed some type of zoo where children could see live animals Mm -hmm. and they wanted to focus on Virginia wildlife Mm -hmm. and um, domesticated animals that city city kids don't often get to see. Um, So they thought about where this could be and eventually they decided on Maymont and the city and the Tallheimer Wildlife Foundation. Uh, There were a number of other individuals involved with the foundation. Uh, They decided to install the wildlife exhibits at Maymont. So that began around 1952 with the installation of the first exhibits outdoors. Mm -hmm. And um, at about the same time, uh, there were some garden clubs. The Richmond Federation of Garden Clubs felt that uh, there should be a nature center at Maymont. And so the barn, the 1908 barn, uh, which we call the Stone Barn now, it Mm -hmm. was built by Dooley in 1908, granite and gray brick. Um, So that was renovated as a nature center. Mm -hmm. And so they had these two different uh, attractions going here, in addition to the museum and park that the Dooleys had left. And as curator and historian and preservationist, to me, I think that it was um, fortuitous that a couple of reasons that um, they uh, isolated those animal exhibits in what I call the North 40. They didn't put the bison up here on the mansion lawn, for example. (laughs) So over on the 40 acres along the ravine, um, they uh, placed the animal exhibits and the children's farm. Uh, and that area of Maymont during the Dooley's time was meadow. Um, it was rolling green lawns over there, and um, they had a lot of flower beds all throughout, and their wonderful uh, tree collection, the Arboretum, uh, throughout Maymont. But really, none of the estate buildings and none of the formal gardens over on the North 40. Right. <laughs> so in this 60-acre area of Maymont where we have uh, this ridge line with the outbuildings, the water tower and mm-hmm. uh, barn and mausoleum, the mansion, uh, all of this uh, remained pretty much as, as the Dooleys had known it. Sure. And then the other thing, too, um, 
And now a lot of historic sites are seeing the advantage in this. When I first came here, uh, there was uh, the question, uh, why so many different divergent things in one place? You've got animals, you've got a children's farm, you've got the house museum, you've got Italian gardens, what is Maimon? Um, well, uh, what it is, is, is uh, a historic site with these other features yeah. uh, overlaid um, that have, we have a special character and each has helped the other to uh, be sustained and to move forward. So Absolutely. I think everything um, uh, floats the boat, so well, to speak. It totally, I mean, it's the same park, but it feels like a completely separate place. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you can come two days in a row and not do, not, you know, do, not do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, One of our plans right now, this is something that's uh, very important to Maymont, and we needed it since day one, and that is an interpretive sign system for all of Maymont. So a lot of the things I've been talking about in a few years when you go out on the grounds, you will see a sign that tells you the Italian garden was designed by Nolan and Baskerville and it was created over time from 1907 and completed in 1910. And here's a picture of the way it looked during Mrs. Dooley's time. Yeah, that'd be amazing, right? I mean, oh yeah. Um, so that all over uh, Maymont. Uh, not that we want yeah. it to look like you know um, Midlothian Turnpike or anything, sure. but we want to have enough uh, enough out there to give people an enriching experience. Right. Absolutely, because um, there's this couple. Uh, you know, there's a Tallheimer's marker down by the animals, right. but it was like it's a, it's a strange. Um, it does it, it kind of brings up more questions than it does answers. There so, you go. Um, right. It just is like, okay, so there was a Tallheimer that gave some money, like to what and to where and when and what's going on. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna make it all as clear as can be. Excellent. We don't want to overwhelm less, people. Who, more or less complicated than the sundial. How about that? <laughs> like, <laughs> less. Complicated. Okay, less complicated. All right. Fair right. Enough. Yeah, to put there a spark, yeah. and hopefully if people read a little something about sure. uh, the Japanese garden, they'll find other ways. We'll provide other ways for them to learn more. Absolutely. Seems good, right? I don't know. We've been talking for a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have anything else? Well, you know, um, the Maymont Mansion now sparkles, it's brilliant, opulent mm-hmm. interiors have, have come back, and we have done so much conservation and restoration on the interiors. And when you walk into these spaces, the library, the pink drawing room, blue drawing room, dining room, even the swan room, uh, you really have a, a, an experience that is rare in Virginia to have authentic Gilded Age interiors uh, with furnishings acquired by the original owners. You know, there's so many historic house museums that you go to, and there'll be a rocking chair, and that belonged to the great grandmother, and a portrait, and then the rest is, 
you know, they'll say period, objects, period, furnishings. But here, uh, so much of the original detail. We have a collection of a thousand furnishings, artwork left by the Dooleys. So, and some of them uh, really world-class pieces. The Dooleys were like their peers in a lot of ways. They liked tapestries. They liked. Uh, oriental rugs, they mm -hmm. love neoclassical sculpture, uh, but some of the pieces they collected are the shows they are really ahead of the pack in a right. lot of ways. Um, the Tiffany and Company narwhal and silver dressing table and chair, for example, one of a kind. It's very well known in, in the decorative arts world. And that I say the decorative arts world, but I, you know, when we take people through the Maymont Mansion, it doesn't matter what their background is. Right. These rooms. They're awesome. People, you know, no matter where you're coming from or what you do for a living or how old you are, everybody, you know, they're agape when they walk into the pink drawing room, then they get in the blue drawing room, and it's like, Wow, sure. the, the wow factor is uh, pretty heavy sure. inside the Maymont Mansion. So, Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you for your time. Well, well I had fun. Yeah, I <laughs> <You> enjoyed it. <laughs> That's it. That's There is no part three. Thank you very much, Dale Weary. Uh, I don't know, maybe we'll have a part three one day. But thank you very much Dale uh, extra generous with her time that was fantastic and uh, you know, definitely you know, go out to Maymont it's a fantastic place it's springtime uh, while recording this it's a little bit rainy but the next nice day that you have time head down to Maymont support them you know, go take a tour of the house if it's rainy I mean, how about that that, that doesn't hurt uh, and um, donate to Maymont you know, keep that place open, keep it beautiful. Uh, and don't forget, do not forget to go to the Richmond Magazine, uh, richmondmagazine.com, and vote for the best and worst. Uh, vote for the best local podcast, History Replays Today. You have to do that by May 7th, so get on it. Thanks a lot. And uh, again, let me know what you think about this, historyreplaystoday.org. Go to you know Facebook, like that page. You can go to at History Replays on Twitter. Do that and uh, make it a great day.